what's the kindest thing I can do for myself right now? Because sometimes I don't know what I need. Well, actually, I need my child to not be fighting with my other child and I need some peace. And I'd really like to actually have a cup of tea that's actually hot for a change. And, you know, all of these peripheral or superficial seemingly things, but they will add up. Hello, I'm Suzanne Hazelton, author of Great Days at Work and founder of Genie Bubble. And now I'm getting some great parenting tips. Today I'm speaking to Catherine Lovewell. She's a emotional health and well-being specialist in education, a mindfulness self-compassion teacher, and author of Every Teacher Matters, The Little Book of Self-Compassion. And coming soon is a children's book. Welcome, Catherine. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about the children's book that you're about to publish. Hello, Suzanne. Thank you very much for having me here. Well, the children's book is my most exciting creation yet. It's called The Voices in My Head. And it's all about that mean, critical voice that can catch us unawares and beat us up, basically, and tell us that we're no good or that we're not good enough or that we've made a mistake and therefore... Not only have we failed, but we are failures. So it's looking at how we can cultivate a compassionate voice. So the two characters are the critical voice and the compassionate voice and how parents and children can develop um, a really accessible, easy language around taking care of themselves when they've made a mistake or failed at something. I mean, that sounds really wonderful because my daughter now six, even at this age, she recognises that there's one voice who tells her to do the naughty things. And it's similar, not quite the same as the critical voice, but she certainly recognises that they're there. So to give voice, perhaps a, a stronger voice to a compassionate voice would be really useful. So what sort of age group is your book aimed at? Oh, this is a primary school book. And um, obviously, every parent knows their own child's emotional intelligence and where they're up to. It's for girls and boys. It's really inviting, I would say, probably seven to 10 year olds. There's lots of wonderful illustrations, very, very colourful and very dynamic situations that hopefully all the children can relate to being at school, not being able to do a particular game or answer questions or colouring outside the lines or just basically feeling like they've done it wrong. And so that, I would suggest, applies all the way to adulthood. (laughs) You know, it's just a different task that we're doing if we make those mistakes. So yes, primary age, primarily. But sometimes depending on the parent or the grandparent or carer that's with the child, it can be a little bit younger. But the critical voice, he's quite mean. So you'd want to make sure that it was a guided. It's definitely a great story to read together. Together. When they're a bit younger, yes. Cool. And that sounds like fantastic. But when did you say that's coming out, Catherine? So we're hoping to have it out by the end of September. We're just waiting on those final tweaks that... uh, all books require prior to publishing, but uh, that's what we're hoping for, the beginning of the UK school year, somewhere around there. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I know these things can take time and I also know they can happen sometimes quicker than you're expecting. So, well, keep my fingers crossed that it comes out fairly soon and please let us know 
certainly I will get a copy and promote it for you. So that'd be great. Oh, yes, I'll send you a copy. It'll be so helpful, uh, not only for parents, but obviously for teachers as well, or anyone that's really got a meaningful relationship with a child, because we can all share those experiences of, oh, I'm beating myself up today. And uh, the critical voice, that character is called Crusher, and he crushes your confidence or crushes your self-belief. And that happens to all of us, no matter what our age. So I feel really strongly that if we can start speaking about it and hopefully enjoying the story too, the booster, which is our compassionate voice, will give us a boost, will bring that soothing quality into a difficult moment and bring some kindness and some support, maybe a little cheerleading energy in. Come on, you've got this, you can do this. That sometimes isn't available to us in that moment, and we can learn to give that to ourselves. I really love those names, Crusher and Booster. What fantastic names you've chosen for the voices. Thank you. I was going to ask you whether you've got three more general tips for parents, but I'm also wondering whether perhaps Booster's got a couple of tips that they can share. A friend of mine, when I said that I was coming on, said, well, think back to what it was like when your children were younger, because my boys are now in their 20s at the risk of showing my age. But I had a really difficult time. Things were really difficult a lot of the time from early on and mainly due to sleep deprivation. But when it comes to criticism, the big struggle was actually how much I criticized myself. So I felt judged by others a lot because one, I couldn't get my children to sleep. But moreover, I made it so much more painful because I'd slipped into the comparison trap you know, oh, so many of my friends, their children sleep, or they're so good at school, or they're much calmer, or they're whatever. And then, of course, as a parent, that comparison trap goes into, oh, I need to make proper cakes for the cake sale, I mustn't get cake bought cakes, or there's so many spoken and unspoken pressures for parents now. I think the biggest thing, if I had understood and known about mindful self-compassion, then I would have stopped beating myself up, lessened that crushing voice inside my head that said I wasn't good enough. How do you do that? Because it's very easy. I think I can hear the voice that you're not doing it as good as somebody else. But for me, that doesn't stop the voice. It's almost like head up for a moment and go, yeah, 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 got that. But it doesn't stop the voice. What tips have you got? Such a great question, Suzanne. You're absolutely right. It takes practice and patience, but the number one way I think to approach how we can learn to be kinder to ourselves and more compassionate when things go wrong is to consider how would I treat my best friend if this was going on for her or him. So you have a friend, she's missed her child's assembly or she's missed the bit where her son or daughter was there doing the one line that they've been practicing for weeks (laughs) and that critical voice kicks in and I'm such a terrible mom and oh my gosh if I just organized my time better all those stories if you press pause and consider if that was my best friend who had just done that how would I respond to them what would I say to them how would my body respond to them and what I mean by that is you know the non-verbal gestures and usually a hug happens if someone's upset (laughs) and you give them a big hug and you say, honey, oh gosh, that's so hard. 
you validate them, you reassure them, you say, that's really difficult. I'm so sorry that's happened. It's not your fault that the car park was jammed and you were late. And you give them all your love and compassion that so easily you can pour out to them because you can see how painful it is for them. Our job when it comes to self-compassion is can we then do a U-turn and bring that compassion inward toward ourselves? And that can be hard and it does take practice. It is dose dependent. But we start with the simplicity of, would I say that to my best friend? Would I say that out loud to anyone? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes my language gets a little bit colorful when (laughs) I've made a mistake and I think I really should know better by now, or certainly in the past it would be. And so there's something very simple, and this is something that everyone can try straight away. It's not rocket science, but it is based on science. We are mammals. We have a mammalian caregiving system. So if I invite you or anyone listening to place their hands over their heart or to wrap their own arms around themselves or to hold their own hand or to stroke the back of their hand, find a place on their body that feels connecting and then gently hold or stroke that part, something is triggered in the brain that then releases this love hormone, oxytocin, and allows the body to soften and relax. It soothes the threat defense system. It literally soothes the mind body, just as if you were holding your own child if they'd fallen over or they haven't had a great result on their spelling test, you'd give them a hug, you'd stroke their back, or maybe their hair, and you'd say, it's okay, it's okay. So this soothing mechanism through the mammalian caregiving system will literally change your response to the stress that's happening inside your body. Wow, that's a really nice tip, not one that I've particularly come across before, but it sounds so easy to do to be able to touch the top of your arm or something, I'm guessing, very deliberate and mindful, but with a very positive intention behind it. Absolutely. This is a mindful practice that brings us into the moment. So we're taking care of this moment, taking care of ourselves in the moment. Uh, We're noticing how difficult it is. And at the same time, we're bringing in that self-kindness intentionally. We are intentionally offering ourselves soothing touch or supportive touch, just as we would if it was our own child. We would take care of them through that, especially if they'd fallen over and we'd rub it better. That's actually why it feels better, oftentimes. It's very, very powerful. And the most exciting thing, which is why I love MSC so much, is that you can do it without anyone else knowing what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. As you were talking there, I was doing some of the arm movements, you know, can I hug myself? And I think I sort of very quickly settled on right arm to right shoulder and going, actually, as you've just pointed out, this could be done anywhere. This could be done as the example that you describe of missing a bit of your child's assembly. Nobody needs to see really what you're doing. And of course, it's going to be something different for other people. But literally, as you were talking about it, I was having a little experiment. And that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. Some people do it naturally without realizing exactly what they're doing. A lot of people, when I've been training teachers in the past or any of the courses I offer, some people will say, oh, I hold the back of my neck when I get upset or anxious. 
And they're actually offering themselves soothing and supportive touch unconsciously. But when you begin to intentionally offer yourself something like this, you become not only the soother, but the soothed, then in charge of your response to that difficult moment. And as you say, no one in the school hall needs to know what you're doing. It'll look like you've got a stiff neck or that your hands are cold. That's it. And I've been in many situations now where things have been very emotionally triggered and charged and and really upsetting. And I have intentionally taken care of myself with my practice through soothing touch. And it can calm down that really overwhelming moment. And you don't need to leave the situation, which I think as a parent is the key, because <laughs> we can't just say, you just take five over there while that's going on. And I'll just over, go and have a massage over here and I'll be back in half an hour and then I'll be able to manage this situation. We can't leave the situation. Educators, teachers can't do this and parents can't either. And that's what makes it such a challenging, wonderful gift And also, I think the most challenging. So in the moment of suffering, in the moment of difficulty, can I give myself what I need? And that's the biggest question in self-compassion. So that's my next big top tip. What do I need? And that's a very big question. (laughs) (laughs) What do you need? And of course, oftentimes, I've certainly felt I didn't know what I needed. And I didn't know I was allowed to ask myself the question. So at Kind Mind Academy, we have developed a question that I think is a little bit softer and more easy to access. And that's, what's the kindest thing I can do for myself right now? Because sometimes I don't know what I need. Well, actually, I need my child to not be fighting with my other child. And I need some peace. And I'd really like to actually have a cup of tea that's actually hot for a change. And, you know, all of these peripheral or superficial seemingly things, but they will add up. But actually, what's the kindest thing can be something really simple, like I just need to take three deep breaths, or I just need to step into some fresh air or sit down. I just need to speak to someone other than a young person. You know, they may need just adult company if they haven't been in that for a while. And so there's something very lovely. And the best thing about this is there's no judgment around it. There's not a right answer. There's only your answer. And I certainly felt as a young parent, well, actually, the parenting challenge continues. I don't know the right answer. I don't know what the right thing to do as a parent here. Do I scold them? Should I look cross at this situation? Should I berate them and their friends for getting drunk? I mean, you've got all this fun to come. Or for breaking that plant pot as they staggered down the garden or whatever it is. Or is it a different way? And I think personally, I was searching all the time to do it right. I just wanted to get it right. And so my critical voice was always saying, well, that didn't work out well. You could have done that better. And so with a compassionate approach, we can ask, well, what's the kindest thing? There is no right or wrong. It's just a kind thing. And what do we say to our children? Be kind. When I was a secondary school teacher, that was my only rule. Be kind when you're giving feedback. Be kind when you're in small space together. Be kind to me and your peers. And if we start from that premise, then hopefully things will unfold a little bit more easily. Brilliant. I'm still sitting with that question because, again, I think it is immensely powerful. What's the kindest thing I can do for myself right now? 
which gives a some limits around it but given where I'm standing given that I've got children around me so there is something very restrictive but also empowering at the same time because it isn't having you search for an answer that's out there it's an immediate answer. Yes and you see that can also change and it allows you to be human and it allows you to change your mind or it allows you to just press pause it allows you to consider yourself. And, and I know this is the biggest barrier to self-compassion is, of course, the myth of selfishness. And taking the oxygen first feels almost anti-parental. <laughs> like, no, no, I need to take care of my children first. I must always do that. But actually, what I learned the hard way many times was, of course, unless I took care of myself, gave myself a little bit of what I needed, that was usually my meditation practice once I'd begun learning, just a little bit of space, then I became a much nicer mummy. (laughs) And then I could make some of the choices or responses. I became more responsive as opposed to reactive because I'd taken care of myself, because I started being a little bit kinder to myself. And that, again, takes a lot of practice, a lot of time, if it's not been your usual way of being. And oftentimes, it's really not. I mean, it's only in the last five years, I've learned this particular mindful self-compassion is a particular route into learning how to be kind to oneself. But it does soften and soothe around all the edges that we struggle with as parents and, well, as human beings, actually. There will be people who want to know more about where they can find out more about you, about mindful self-compassion. How can people find out about what you teach here? Just simply go to uh, kindmindacademy.com and um, that's got loads of information and our contact details there. We also offer Facebook Live every Wednesday, which is standard time, seven at the moment it is, may change, but always look for us on, on a Wednesday. But there's the Kind Mind Academy Facebook page where you can always get in touch or just look at some of the previous Facebook Lives that we've done if you want to sort of touch in on a little bit more that's really easy and accessible. And they're the two main places that I would suggest are the easy first places to go. And we've got a YouTube channel if you want to see a little bit more in-depth videos and things of some of the world-leading experts talking about mindful self-compassion, self-compassion, mindfulness. I mean, there's so much richness there. And of course, you could always have a little look at my book, The Little Book of Self-Compassion. I wrote it specifically to make self-compassion a little bit more accessible because a lot of the work that's been done is either very much quite quite an academic approach or it's coming from obviously a Buddhist tradition. Mindfulness is, that's where it's born from. And so this is a, a handbag-sized little book that hopefully parents around the world can just easily pick up and dip into some of the resources that we've talked about today. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing those three brilliant tips, which you've certainly given me enough information to take them to the next level. I'm not saying the ultimate level, but to take them perhaps (laughs) one step further than I, I take them so far. So thank you so much, Catherine. Oh, it's always a pleasure anytime. And uh, yes, sending much love and compassion to any parent listening to this and well done for not giving up. And yes, just by listening to this, hopefully it will be a little bit inspiring and uh, remembering that you're not alone. We're all in this together. Thank you.